Imagine if your dining room table could talk. What stories would it tell? What memories would it share? Think about the ones who have sat around that table. The ones you love. Friends. Family. All those joyful memories, the early mornings and the late nights. The hard conversations. The life-changing decisions. All around that table. What about the people who haven't yet sat at that table? The ones in search of community. Those around you every day that could soon be part of that table's story. Community happens best face-to-face, side-by-side, around a table. We all need community. We all long to belong. And you belong here. Well, hey, it's great to see you guys. You belong here. If you're confused, you're like, why on earth am I here? Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about the purpose of life and what God specifically has for us. But today, as you've heard, this is like one of our favorite days of all of the year, Uh, not because we're having pulled pork only, um, but also because um, we're celebrating this new life that we can find in Jesus Christ. And so the old is gone, the new has come, and I get to wear the baptism shirt, and I'm excited about it, and I try to steal every shirt we've ever made, um, legally or illegally. Um, But uh, the old is gone, the new has come. This is this new life that we have in Jesus Christ. It's it's based out of 2 Corinthians 5.17, for we've been made new, okay? We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we want to proclaim that you belong here. And the reason that I love this day so much is because we need a fresh start. We're, we're in need of a fresh start. We're going to be talking about a guy named Mephibosheth, okay? Does anybody have kids? Anybody name their kid Mephibosheth? Okay, it means son of shame, okay? So probably not a, not a great name, uh, especially for a girl. Um, but, but we'll get to that in just, just a moment. If you, when you came in, you probably got a program. On the program, there's some notes and some things that you could write down if, you, if you'd like to. Also, there's a communication card. We'll receive that later, and, and you can put that in the next step boxes. And as we talk today, there may be something that God moves in your heart by way of asking for prayer or expressing a next step in your relationship with God. We love communication. We, love, we want to be able to be here so that we just don't have a, a service and, and a good service. We want to see God do a work um, by expressing kind of where he's at and, and what's been moving in our hearts. So there's this guy by the name of Mephibosheth. And, and Mephibosheth, is, uh, he's gone through some, some tough things. And, and when I think of um, belonging, he, he got in a place where he didn't feel as if he belonged. And he was in a place of, called Lodabar, Lodabar, which means place of no bread. And so he went through quite the trial. And when I think of belonging, I think back to the beginning church in Acts 2. And in the beginning church, it talks about uh, what we should prioritize. Verse 41 of Acts 2 says, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The key word is added. This is this belonging, being added to the kingdom of God, being added to the family of God, being invited in saying, you belong here. We all long to belong. And Mephibosheth found him in a place of of wanting and longing to belong. In 2 Samuel 4, it says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, he had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And when she fled in her haste, he fell and he became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Okay, so he is crippled. He's five years old. 
So basically, I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit and tell you some history, but uh, King Saul led, he was, he was uh, stood head and shoulders above everyone else, but he led uh, the nation of Israel, and he was the king for a long period of time. Well, he had a son by the name of Jonathan, and Jonathan was an heir to the throne, but God came in, and David was selected to be the next king in front of Jonathan. Well, the thing about that is, is David and Jonathan were best friends, and so Jonathan humbly said, hey, you can go ahead and be king. He could have been bitter. He could have been mad. He could have been frustrated. Um, but instead, he said, okay, you can you go ahead and do it, but make sure to, to give concern, give care uh, to my family. Well, what would happen in those days is a new kingdom would come in, a new king, a new regime would come in. They would literally kill off the, the um, royal lineage and the family. So they would go through with soldiers, remove them from the palace, and would take out the old regime because they didn't want that older influence around. They wanted the new kingdom, and that's just how it worked. This wasn't David being mean. This wasn't David going, I'm going to show my power. This is just how it happened. Well, in that, the haste when the soldiers came, first off, Saul was dead. Then you have Jonathan who died. And then his son, while escaping at the age of five with a nurse, she falls on him. She drops him. He falls. Somehow his legs are broken. Okay, this is where he gets this name, son of shame or son of shame or from brokenness. Okay, so his legs were broken. And so just imagine all that happened in two minutes of this kid's life. Lost his grandfather, lost his dad, and now he's broken. Okay, they fled to an area, Lodabar, place of no bread. And so he's living out, he's kind of out of the way. Well, let me tell you a little bit about David. David was a man after God's heart. David had a kind, generous spirit. Um, David, there was a song that went around that Saul had killed his thousands, but David had killed his ten thousands. And so it was like David was revered. I mean, if you were a child in that day, you would have a poster of David on your wall, okay? Um, you know, it's kind of like now, you know, I think about having a poster of LeBron James on my wall. Yeah, I've never thought of that in my entire life. I've never been a LeBron fan. But now that he's wearing the number 23 for my team, I'm going through this kind of crisis. I've actually put it on the communication card for the last few weeks asking for prayer. Because I don't really know exactly what to do with this. Um, But it's happened to me before. I didn't like Kobe, and I got over it. And I didn't like Shaq, and I got over it. I always liked Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Kurt Rambis. Are you kidding me? But, and some of you millennials are like, who? Um, But... I say all that for us to understand, like, David was revered in this kingdom. Imagine what Jonathan was going through. He was being that best friend that wasn't getting what he thought was going to be his, but he did so, and he received this humbly. Mephibosheth is now, I mean, in this day and time, with, with modern medicine, it would have probably been different if you broke your legs, okay? I saw um, a dude walking in with a brace earlier. He has, he's got his leg, like, completely, like, artificially repaired. He's like titanium and all this kind of stuff. You know, it would be, it's a different, it's a little different now. He actually has a physical handicap. Okay. And in those days and time, it's different than now. In those days and times, you were pushed aside, pushed aside. You, you were no longer part of things. It was just like, okay, you're less than now with research and provisions. It's, it's a lot different. So imagine what he's gone through and he has heard nothing from David for 16 years, nothing. He's in a place where there's no bread. His name means son of shame. His life is drastically changed. And we can look at our life and go, okay, I get it for him, but my circumstance is different. My circumstance may be worse. Maybe your Mephibosheth moment 
would be maybe a serious illness that's come into your family has completely changed some things. I mean, the weight of some of the struggles that each of us in, in a room of this size, in a church of this size, and the things that we go through, it's astronomical, the things that we've dealt with. Maybe you're looking at a relationship, somebody you used to trust, and that relationship has been broken, it's been severed, you've been lied to, or something has happened, and you're going, okay, they've bailed on this, this trust, on this, this commitment that we've made to one another. Maybe it's where you've lost your job and you don't have prospects of what's going ahead and you're just saying, God, I don't know what to do or lost a purpose in life and saying, I don't really know what life is supposed to look like. Or maybe there's a fear that it grips you and it just is there. You've never struggled with anxiety and all of a sudden it's here now. You felt like you've had everything under control and depression hasn't really hit you, but now it's here and you're going, or it's back. And we find ourselves in this place and we're asking God, what do you have for me? I don't know that I believe anymore because I've been abandoned. I've been forgotten. I've been cast aside. I think it's important for us to recognize that God doesn't take us around trials. He takes us through them. God doesn't take us around trials. He takes us through them. The Bible talks over and over that when the winds come, when the waters rise, when the fire comes, the Lord God is with us. We have to have trust And you may be saying, Keith, of course, that's what you're going to say at church. That's what we always hear at church. Like, just keep on keeping on. Just keep on trusting him. He's got a plan. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him for he will direct your path. And we hear those kinds of things. I think we'll relate and we'll be able to hear the grace and forgiveness and peace that God can bring to our life. You know, I've read Psalm 51 a lot, and Psalm 51 is a prayer of confession that David makes to God because David falls into some sin. So even though he was a good king, he made some choices that he was a real stinking king as well, and he made some bad choices. And David writes this psalm of confession, and he asks the Lord to renew in him a right spirit, that he wanted to have a contrite heart between him and the Lord. And he says these, these words, and I can't help but think of Mephibosheth, I can't help but think of those of us that are going through these hard times, it says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Let me hear the joy and the gladness. Let the bones that have been broken, those things in my life that have been broken, let them rejoice. Well, all of a sudden in 2 Samuel 9.1, David starts asking around and he's saying, hey, 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 is there anyone else left in the house of Saul? 16 years later, He's saying, is there anyone else left in the house of Saul? And I don't know if he's asked this question multiple times. Maybe he asks it often. Maybe he asks it every month. How many guys as moms and dads, you feel like you're nagging because you ask the same question like literally every day? You know, like get up. Teenage parents, like get up. It's, you know, you ask, wait, let me phrase that in a question. Will you get up, please? I was getting to like the fourth time you asked. It's like, get up now. Okay, <laughs> get up now. You're dead. Um, but you, he, I don't know if he's asked this a lot or if this is the first time he's asked it. But he's saying, is there anyone else from the house of Saul? And there's a dude named Ziba, okay? This is Ziba. And Ziba's saying, hey, yes, there is. There is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. Verse 4, the king said to him, where is he at then? If there is this son, where is he at? Bring him to me. 
See, the reason why this is important is because David and Jonathan had made a pact between one another. David loved him as a brother. He was a friend, but he loved him like a brother. And they made a commitment. And here's what Jonathan asked of David. He said in Samuel 20, 1 Samuel 20, May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. If I'm still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love for my house forever. Sixteen years later... He's fulfilling this commitment and promise. We don't know how many times he's asked it, but this time a dude named Ziba has an answer, okay? He's got an answer and he knows that there is one. And he said, where's he at? Bring him to me. Where's he at? Bring him to me. His name is Mephibosheth. Notice David didn't say, hmm, his name is Mephibosheth. That means son of shame. I take back my offer. (laughs) Like who knows what, oh, oh, he's crippled. Okay, no, he's saying, bring him to me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Get him over here. I want to talk to him immediately. Verse 5. The king da- then King David sent and brought from him from the house of Micar and Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, said to Saul, come to David. And he fell upon his face and paid homage. So the second he's in the king's presence, can you imagine? He's thinking, the last time I saw all of your people, the last time I was near any of these places, I lost my entire family. And this happened to me. And now he fell upon his face because he's fearing for his life. He's thinking he's just going to finish what he started. But rather, he says, and he says, behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore you and all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and he said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? See, I think we find ourselves in this place that even when God does show up or even when we do get our way or we're asking for something and it's not happening or we find ourselves in those Lodabar places, those places of no bread, those places of no things, or those Mephibosheth moments, and we find ourselves in it. We ask of God and we're asking of God and we're asking of God. Even when it does come and something does happen, we will make statements like, it's only going to last so long. Or it's probably too good to be true. And so even though he's hearing this, he's like, why would you show such compassion for a dog such as I? Why would you even care? Why would you make provision? I'm a son of shame. I don't deserve these things. I've been forgotten. Look at me. How could I ever be restored? And even if you want me to eat at your table, I'm not going to feel accepted there. I'm going to look different than everyone else, and we feel worthless, we feel shame, we feel inadequate, we don't think we, we deserve the greatness and the, and the graciousness of God. But this is where everything changes. See, this is where there is a picture that takes place, a picture where David is a king, and he represents the king of kings. Okay, there's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen because Jesus has yet to come, but he's going to come. The King of Kings is going to come for us. The, the Lamb of God is going to come to be offered out for the entire world. And this is a picture of being invited to the King's table. This is a picture of saying you belong at the King's table. This is a picture of you are royal lineage. And David has this opportunity to do something and make something out of Nothing. And we love these stories of redemption. I mean, these are the shows we like to watch. These are the ESPN 30 for 30s or E60s or whatever, where your wife walks in and you're like crying because some dude made a three-pointer. And she's like, what's going on? You're like, you like made a three. 
Like he, he had a, it was the last shot of the year and he made it. And she doesn't know the story and everything that was walked through and he, the shot that was made. And she's like, okay, but she can cry all she wants and this is us. I mean, she can bawl her eyes out. And some of you guys are like, I cry too in that show as well. Um, allergies, you know. Um, but we like these stories of redemption. We like when it kind of wraps up and it makes sense and it comes together. What I find in this, this is not a parable, actually. It's not, it, this is actually like God's word. This is a story recorded. This is a historical account that Mephibosheth, we relate to him. We are him. We have some of the same things as him. First off, we're fallen and we're broken. We're fallen, meaning we've fallen short. We've fallen short of God's glory. We're fallen, we're broken. Some of the brokenness that we have is things where we have actually sinned and we have brokenness. Some of it is brokenness that's happened because of other people's choices. Either way, we're fallen and we're broken. Another thing is we're pursued by the king. We've got a king that after 16 years or however long you would feel like you've been in that desert, places of no bread, shame, whatever it would be, a king pursues us, desires a relationship with us. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world in order that the world might be saved through him. He didn't condemn, rather he brought the grace and he brought his own son to us. For the son of man came not to seek or came to seek and save the lost. We talk about this verse a lot when we're talking about Rock Harbor. For the son of man came not to, came to seek and save the lost. That we are a safe place for people to come. And the, the lifeboats that live around this harbor are the lives of people that are represented in this room and those that are watching online that have a relationship with Jesus. And we're not to keep our life just nestled up on the shore. We're to go out into the winds and the waves of this world and reach those who don't know Jesus Christ and bring the hope of Christ because we once were rescued. We once were drug sopping wet out of the water into a boat. And we were brought to a safe place. That safe place is not just a church, that safe place is, in fact, the king of kings. It's the table of God. And we've been invited into this. What we are, in fact, is just one beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. So we don't have it all figured out. We're just inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. We're inviting people to the table. See, when I think about this table and I, I see kind of how it's laid out, and I'm, I'm imagining David the king down this way, and if Mephibosheth is sitting right here, um, first off, the humility that it takes for him, for one, for David to offer, but also for Mephibosheth to receive this opportunity to sit at the table. And as he's sitting there, I can only imagine what he's thinking. First off, Mephibosheth is thinking, do I deserve to, to be here? And this is awkward, and um, knowing the king, think about David the friend of Jonathan. Not, not the king of the nation of Israel, but the friend of Jonathan as he looks down the table. Could you imagine? He's probably seeing the same eyes that his friend had. I mean, they had like heart to heart. They were brothers. The closest thing to a brother that David had. And he's seeing these eyes of Mephibosheth and he's looking into him and he's like, it's my friend. He's not here, but he's here. And he hears the voice, and he's like, man, it sounds like him. He's probably like talking to somebody, and he's like, okay, I thought Jonathan was sitting here. Maybe the mannerisms, maybe you guys have experienced that where your kids do some of the same things that you do, you know? 
I have a brother, a couple of brothers, and we're really similar. And I, one time I had my brother speak, he's a pastor, I had him speak to our youth group and it freaked everyone out. They were like, oh my gosh, this is a trip. And they wouldn't quit staring at me and him. And I was like, okay, well, he's never coming back. Um, but they see the mannerisms and they're just like all wigged out, you know, and, and we haven't even lived around each other in 25 years and we still act and talk and do the same things and wrestle around like children. And I'm just thinking he's probably seeing these mannerisms and he's going, my friend is home. I don't have him, but I've got all that I need. Think about him as a king though. As a king. As a king, did he say, hey, before the son of shame from Lodabar, you know those people out in Lodabar, clean him up before he comes to the table. Could you, I mean, maybe we can get him some surgery. Maybe we can fix him up a little bit. Make him look better before he gets to the table. No. He said, get him here as quick as possible. But I'm a son of shame. I I should be, I'm a dog. I don't deserve this. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. All those who are lame, weak, poor, blind, marginalized, come to me and come to my table. He says, take a seat at my table. Mephibosheth is sitting here. When that king, when David looks at him, does he see the brokenness? It's beneath the table. He doesn't see it. He doesn't care. He knows that this son has now come home. In fact, he gave Mephibosheth 35 personal servants. He gave him all of Saul's land. He didn't have to, but he was a gracious and a good king. He gave him more than he could ever imagine and more than he ever deserved. And this invitation to this table was not for one meal. It wasn't to parade around and go, man, look at the graciousness of David. Did you hear? He had this this guy from Lodabar at his table. That one night, it was forever. He had an eternal, as long as David was king, he had a seat at that table. You have been given this invitation to come to the table of a king much greater than David the king of kings. And the invitation is not if you clean yourself up. The invitation isn't for a certain period of time. It isn't for as long as you don't, as long as you are over that addiction or you have victory over it. The gift that you've been given, the invitation that you've been given is for eternity. The problem is, is you feel broken and useless. And the reality is you are chosen and invited. You and I do not deserve to be at this table, but there's a gracious and a loving king that has invited us to us. But you're telling me things like this. I shouldn't be at this table. Like with what has been done in my life, the brokenness in my life, the sin that I have committed, I don't deserve it. Or other things have happened just like, I mean, just like this boy, he was running and all of a sudden his legs are broken. Mephibosheth's legs are broken by someone else. 
And you're saying, someone else walked out on my marriage. Someone else made decisions in my childhood that got me into this position. Someone else did this and someone else did this. And because of that, then I did this and I did this and I did this. And the king is saying, you are Maribel. First Chronicles 8, he is called Maribel. He is not son of shame any longer. Rather, he is of royal lineage. No longer Mephibosheth, now Maribel. You of royal lineage. I don't know what I need to do to get you to understand that, but I will tell you, if you will open your heart, you will listen to the word of God, you will receive the Holy Spirit telling you, not that you are good enough, but rather God is good enough. The gift of his son is good enough. And you would receive your seat Not take your seat, not earn your seat, not choose your seat, not work your way into that seat, not get a promotion into that seat, not church attend into that seat, not serve into that seat, not religious yourself into that seat, but as a dog, as a fallen and broken human to say, I can't, but you can, and there's a king that pursues me, and I may feel that I'm broken and useless, but Lord... You have chosen me, King of Kings. You have chosen me and you have invited me to your table. And I will receive that invitation for now and for eternity. So when those thoughts come to my mind and I want to leave the table and I want to duck out and just say, I don't deserve to be here and I want to get out. I'm lifted back up and I'm placed here. I guarantee Mephibosheth probably didn't walk to that table. He was sat there and whatever he brought with him from Lodabar and he was gladly received by the king and the king weeped and the king looked down the table and the king probably said, can you sit him next to me? I want to have a conversation with him. That's what it means to be pursued by a king. But you and I are caught up with the past. We're caught up with the brokenness. And today what I'm asking, whether you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ or you have regret, you have shame, you have hurt, you have struggles, for you to simply open your hands, those things that you're clinging to that you would just open your hands and say, I receive. I receive the invitation. I don't feel like I belong here, but God's word and his spirit are telling me I belong here. So by his grace and his love and his invitation, I will receive something that I can't put together in my mind that I deserve. And that gift is salvation. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to confess the Lord Jesus with your, with your mouth, to believe in your heart, and to ask him to be the Lord of your life. To say, I have sinned. Will you forgive me? You're the only one that can do it. I will tell you this, you could get invited to hundreds of tables that this world would offer, but nothing compares to the banquet table that the King of Kings has set for you. Because it's not an invitation that lasts an hour and 48 minutes. It's not something, if it's a really good get together, that's three or four hours and a 75 piece meal and all of those kind of things. No, this is forever. And there's one focus at this table. You get around any other table, it's whoever's talking, whoever's got the attention. You get around this table, we're all looking one direction. But guess where the king is looking? The king is looking to you. He's waiting for you to join. He's invited you to join. He's saying, you belong here with me. I created you for a purpose. I have a plan for your life. Would you bow your heads with me?
Will you follow? Will you receive the invitation of salvation today? That Jesus gave everything for you on the cross. And God has given you an invitation to his table through the blood, the suffering of his son. And he rose him to life and he's coming back for you. If God has moved in your heart and today is the day of salvation, today is the day to receive Jesus as your savior, to confess your sin to the only one that can forgive you of that sin. Would you pray with me? If God has moved in your heart, would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for your gracious love for me. I do not deserve it. You gave yourself for me. I've been invited. You know my brokenness. You know my sin. I cast that at your feet. Forgive me. Receive me. Thank you for the love that you've given me. For you've done something for me I could not do for myself. My life is yours. And I surrender it to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And if every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want an opportunity because I believe that God has done something very unique today in the hearts of people. That if you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you look up at me? Just make eye contact. If you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior just now, amen. Oh, my word. First service, some dude was waving at me. I'm like, I see you. There's like 47 people in here. He's waving at me. I just want to, you guys can all look up. I just want to share something with you. The scripture I read earlier says this. Those who received his word were baptized and there were added about 3,000 souls. If you pray to receive Christ just now, I invite you to be baptized today. I'm asking you because scripture asks us. I'm telling you because scripture tells us to be baptized. It's not part of your salvation. It's that first step of following Jesus. We say we want to follow Jesus, but yet we choose to not be baptized. It's a chance to go public. It's a chance to drive a stake in the ground. It's a chance not just to secure our place at the table. It's not that at all. But it's rather to say like, I've been made new. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation in him. The old's gone, the new has come. That's what baptism is all about. It's a celebration that gets to take place. When we go down to the river today, it ain't no quiet little, oh, amen. Mm, That's good. It is like Meridian Speedway, okay? Even worse, Firebird, okay? It's like, wah, you know, and people get excited and they, they cheer and they go crazy and people lift their hands up and they celebrate this new life that's in him. Not because the water just happens to be a little bit cold, but more because it's this freshness. It's this fresh start. Mephibosheth needed it. We need it. It's an opportunity to say, the, the old's gone, the new's here. If God has moved in your heart to do this, if you've never been baptized, you know, when we do baptisms today, we're going to see moms and dads baptizing their kids. We're going to see small group leaders, friends, best friends baptizing each other. We're going to have an opportunity to see all of that. We're going to see people that, you know what, kids that lives were radically changed at camp, they're going to be baptized and be taking that step publicly. In a day and an age where it's not really that big of a deal and everybody's, you know, doing all these other things, we're going to have some kids that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. And I'm going public. I don't care what anybody says about it. 
There's going to be people today that were baptized as children that were sprinkled in a church. Maybe baptized at a young age that parents made a decision for them, but today they're going to say, you know, it's my decision today. I'm a believer, so I'm going to be baptized as a believer. Not as a baby. I'm going to be baptized as a believer. That's what the Bible instructs, and that's what the Bible tells us, and it's an opportunity for us to celebrate that. You know what? I went down to the office yesterday, and they said, hey, can you come sign the baptism certificate? So I'm like, sure. We do the river baptism. We do a certificate just to kind of celebrate it, and I have to get to sign it, okay? Do you know what it's like to sign 139 papers? Well, I'm like getting old, and so I was going like this, and so I got a rolly chair. Lene's like, hey, get a rolly chair, Keith. I'm like, oh, how about that? I'm like, woo. I'm like, hey, so-and-so, do you believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior? Woo. And I'm signing it. I'm just going around. And someone said, you need to get a stamp. And I'm like, I need to get a stamp. I don't know if I'll always be the one signing these things. It doesn't necessarily even matter. The ma- what matters mostly is what we're doing publicly and what we're celebrating. But I'm not going to get a stamp. You know why I'm not going to get a stamp? It's because 139 people are getting baptized. And I at least want to see them. I don't know 84.7% of them. I don't know their names. I'm like, oh, I don't know this person. But praise the Lord, you know. But it's exciting because every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And there were stories being told at this table by a guy who didn't think that he deserved there, that he had a name, but he was given a new name. And for those of you who've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you've been given a new name. And there's a new response. And that new response is to be baptized. And so we invite you, if God has moved in your heart to be baptized, that you would let us know about that. We want to give you an opportunity to respond by filling out a communication card right now. And for some, you need to think about what we've been talking about this morning. While the band sings this song, they're going to invite you to stand in just a minute. But for the next couple of minutes, just take an opportunity to reflect on the work that God has done in our hearts today.